Welcome to the Authentic Accountant Podcast with Seth David and co-host Erica Ed. If you've ever wanted to know the real story behind the most successful business leaders in the world today, stay tuned. Every story doesn't have an instant success, peaches and cream background. We'll ask the questions that need to be asked and get the true stories of success. Now, here is Seth David and Erica Ed. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. My name is Seth David. Yours isn't. I'm here with my co-host. Hey, everybody. I'm Erica Ed. And today we have a very, very special guest. But first, Erica, do you know what I did this morning? Wait. I was just going to ask you, what did you do this morning? It's so funny. You should ask. I actually logged into QuickBooks Online this morning. Can you believe that? I find that so incredibly hard to believe. I know. It what just, did you do in QuickBooks Online this morning? I just went in and, you know, using my mobile device, updated my bank feeds, wanted to make sure I wasn't running out of money, you know, and it was so cool that I didn't need to be at an actual computer to be able to do that. Yeah, it is. I love the mobile app. Mobile app's awesome. Yeah, because I'm not course, tied to the office. I'm out in the world doing whatever I'm doing and a client has a question or they want to, you know, it's just easy. You just yep. log in and you and you go. I love it. I love it. My yeah. favorite Brilliant. My favorite thing is that I can do what I need to do from anywhere. That's why we live in the cloud today. That's right. Speaking of living in the cloud, I'd like to welcome our guest for today. The one, the only Mr. Ed Kless. Ed, thank you so much and welcome to the show. And much indeed my pleasure. And you've been tapped. You're on the Authentic Accountant Podcast officially tapped. Um, and you know what? We might as well say for the audience, what we were kind of saying off the air at first is you're the reason we're even here. You and Ron, of course. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yes. Um, yes. Uh. So I owe a special, I, I, I should pay homage to Ed and Ron. Right. Um, and, and all kidding aside, I, I think it's a good story to tell. You know, years ago I was uh, presenting at Sage Summit and you and Ron were broadcasting live from the event. And I was a guest on your show. And as I was walking away, uh, your producer, Robert Chilino, kind of came after me and said, hey, hey, let's talk. I want to do a show. And that was, I think, in like 2012, actually, wasn't it? Uh, 13, maybe. 13. Maybe 13. It's, it's yeah. been a while. Yeah, so, it has been a while. And Because Robert and I had stayed in touch over all these years and finally just kind of nailed it and, you know, uh, of course, went to my friends at Intuit and said, do you, you know, would you like to get involved and help us out with a sponsorship? And they said, you know what, we'd love to. And, um, and here we are. So thank you, Ed. And of course, when we get to talk to Ron, I'll thank him. Because literally, if it hadn't been for you guys putting me on your show, we probably wouldn't be here today because I just wouldn't have thought to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. I love serendipity. Yep. So the format of our show, Ed, is, you know, we talk about um, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like today. And, of course, I'll explain. So the first part, what it was like, I want to kind of take you back. I mean, obviously, a lot of us, especially in the accounting world, know who you are. You know, you and Ron, I think a lot of us think of as sort of like the fathers of value pricing, right? Um <laughs> You know, you've kind of brought that to us. I don't know if you guys actually created the concept. I think I read somewhere that it was really a concept that was developed back in the 70s. Is that right? Well, it, you know, it, it, there's a lot of influences on it. I think that, that Ron was certainly the, the, the first person to bring it to the professions as a whole. 
Mm-hmm. And he, so I, I will give him the, the, the grandfather, so to speak, of, okay. of the whole movement. Um, so he, he, he was really the one that brought it to the, to the professionals. So lawyers, accountants, bookkeepers, um, all of those folks. Mm-hmm. But if, honestly, a lot of the concepts go back, oh gosh, to, to the ancient Greeks. So yeah. it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's an old notion, this whole theory of value. Where does value come from? Is is a very interesting one, and even the the great economist, the um, Adam Smith, got mm-hmm. a lot of it wrong. Got a lot of it wrong, right? And he couldn't figure it out either. So it's it's not an easy concept, right? Right, <clears throat> right. So all right. So we're, and we're going to come back to that, especially in the last yeah, segment sure. where we talk sure. about what it's like today. But I wanted to get that out there because I, I think, of, of course, I think it's super interesting and valuable, right? That's where value mm-hmm. comes from. So, um, but I want to go back and talk about you, Ed. I want to kind of go back to what you were like as a youngster, right? Not that you're not a youngster now, but more of a youngster, right? <laughs> and what were you like as a kid? What were your interests? You know, especially in terms of the fact that, like, did you know as a kid that you'd be doing what you're doing today? I'm guessing probably not. Uh, yes and no. I mean, I, I, I distinctly remember a, an old cassette player that I used to make recordings on where I pretended to be a radio show host, usually covering, yeah. like, natural disasters of my Legos. <laughs> You know, like there'd be like an explosion, you know, and I'm here on site covering this and my brother and I and some of our friends, we used to make these crazy tapes of all of these sirens going off. I don't know. Very weird. I got a twist. No, that's awesome. I love it. But, but, but that said, did I know that I would be in the accounting space? Heck no. I mean, I, I, in in fact, I graduated from college with a, uh, well, my degree is in liberal studies which is really a cop out for I couldn't pick a major. Right? <laughs> so, so I, so I, which I, so in order to, I didn't pick a major, but I had to pick three minors. So I majored in minors. That's what I like to say. And my, my three minors were business administration, information systems, like, okay, well that's at least, and then of course, musical theater. <laughs> of course. Right. right? So no, Makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it it actually does. So I was a, I was and, a theater and criminal justice major. Get it? I I get it. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, totally. And you know what? And of course, what what do you use more on a day in day out basis? Well, it would be the theater. Like clearly, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's like every day. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So so that's that. But I, if you want to go back a little bit further, I, uh, as a kid, I was a huge and still am a huge baseball fan. Love baseball. Um, but New York, born in New York, I'm a New York Mets fan. Even though I live in Texas now, I'm through the magic of the internet, bringing up my son as a Mets fan as well, and well. Uh, it's just a, it's a great thing. So that that was really my passion as a kid was was uh, was was baseball. And yes, I announced a lot of baseball games in my backyard too. So I, I could like. <laughs> I could, I would guess that there was there was some overlap there. Yeah. So yeah, it sounds like early on there was a hint of that, like radio announcer, like I like to talk. I have a voice for radio, you know, for it, you know, kind of thing. Like you were clearly into that at an early age. Ed, and did uh, you ever want to be a a, a sports broadcaster? I I yeah no I did. In fact, I I remember reading a biography of Marv Albert. Oh my! I remember him and the whole scandal. That's right. Yeah, he bit the woman on the back. It's very yeah. weird. But um, <laughs> but 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 he uh, but he was he was the announcer for the the New York Rangers and the New York Knicks. In fact, I still think he does he does professional basketball better than anyone. And he's in his got to be in his late seventies. Mm-hmm. But he's you know his his call was of course that you know that that infamous from way downtown yes 
you know, yeah, that, you know, yes <laughs> was his call. Um, and, and, uh, so I, so I, re- I read, remember reading his book and I remember, you know, him saying that there's a difference if you're broadcasting on the radio, as opposed to if you're broadcasting from television, you got obviously be much more descriptive if you're on radio. And so yeah. there's a, there was a lot of interesting things. I remember I, I couldn't put my hands on that book, but I do remember that. And I remember thinking, yeah, that'd be a fun thing to do. And I, but I, and I put it aside, you know, I, 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 I put it aside. I, I went to college. I, I got my degree. I worked for an accounting firm for a number of years, started my own company doing consulting, fell in love with the idea of consulting. I, I love, in fact, that's what I still do today. If I, if I, on my tax return, when I'm asked profession or wherever I'm asked profession, that my response is consultant. That's, that's what I am. I, I consider myself to be a professional consultant. I put drug dealer there just to see if they'll just to, yeah, just, yeah, just yeah. to see if they're paying attention. Right. Yeah. It, <laughs> <But> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so by the way, um, speaking of the whole theater major thing, funny story. Yeah. Um, so when I, you know, when I was a kid, I was really, my main thing that I was into was computers. I was like into computer science and computer programming and it was like straight out of high school. It was clear I was going to major in computer science, except that towards the end of high school, it became apparent that my interest in academics had waned. You know, I started out in like all honors and AP classes by senior year. I was like, just like with the norm, you know, because I didn't study. I didn't have the patience. Anyway, point of the story being that when I first went to college, they said, you can't major in computer science yet because you don't have the grades. You have to, I had to start liberal arts and work my way up. I had to like prove myself and get the grades. So mind you, when I um, later on kind of shifted gears and I started doing some theater and some acting, uh, there came a point in time where then I went from that back to business and I went out to work as a stockbroker. And I remember my first interview at a brokerage firm talking to the manager and telling him how my mo- more recent experience had been in theater. And he explained to me how being a stockbroker really is an acting job because you have to get on the phone with a prospect and paint this image that you're this wealthy stockbroker who makes millions of dollars sitting at a mahogany desk and convince them that that's, that's going to build their confidence in buying stock from you. It was all very funny, actually, that that was the whole approach on, you know, as a hmm. stockbroker was being an actor and pretending to be something you're not to get people to buy something from you, which is so apart from the way I do things today, by the way. Anyway, my little funny story about theater and business. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it, it 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 is amazing how much they do they do come together though. I think that there is there there is certainly an an aspect to sort what I do, and I I have been known to break into song during sessions. That's, that had it has happened. <laughs> do you have well, a guitar with feel, you today? Feel free. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, I I don't. There's actually a, a a a piano on the other side of the room, but I probably can't get to it. That's all right. That's funny. No, but I th- actually it's interesting because I think it does. We've spoken to a number of guests so far with the theater and their backgrounds, and who are now obviously in the business world. And I think there is something to be said for that. I think if nothing else, it teaches you how to be engaged in your current environment. You know. I think more than anything else, that's probably what we can pull out of that experience that has its place in business because we're engaging with people. We're talking to them, and it's important to listen and understand how to respond, and I, th- I think that's really where it plays in very nicely, actually. Yeah, I think you're right. I, one, one of the I, – I, there, there's lots of different schools of acting, too, and you know, one of them is this, this method acting. I'm sure you've heard of that one. It's a, that's, that one's kind of weird for me. Like Dustin Hoffman is the ultimate method actor. Mm-hmm. You know, he, when he – when he was in Marathon Man, I think, you know, there's this famous story of him him going and he's observing the baboons at the zoo to, you know, get into his character. And, and, and uh, he, you know, he's, with, he, he's in that movie with Laurence Olivier. And at one point, <laughs> Olivier turns to him and said, you know, he hadn't showered in like a week or whatever. <laughs> he goes, my dear boy, wouldn't it just be easier if you would just act? 
That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> right, so that there's method acting, but I was more what's called a, a, a Brechtian. So Bertolt Brecht was a, a famous writer, director, producer in in Weimar Germany. Okay, so you know, go be, the, his most famous piece is is a, a thing called the Three Penny Opera, which nobody has really heard of that except you have all heard a song from it. Is Mac the Knife? Of right? course, yeah. The, the Bobby the Bobby Darren song, which was a you know updated jazzy version, is is a song from that show Three Penny Opera. Of course, it, mm-hmm. it's a very dark and dour song. If you listen to it, it's about he's a murderer, right? right. I mean, he goes around killing people. That's what he that's what <laughs> yeah. he does, right? Right. Act the knife. <laughs> you know. Um, anyway, so this guy Bertolt Brecht, um, he, he his idea was that you had to always sit outside yourself as an actor and observe what was going on in 360 degrees around you. So one of the things that you're taught to do in the school is before any performance, go in and sit in different areas of the theater and imagine you being an audience member watching your performance later on in that particular day, right? So you, since you know what's going to happen, you know where it's going to happen on stage, sit and observe so that you can see what it's going to be like to observe from this place. And you should do it from different areas of the theater, mm-hmm. right? And what's so cool about that is I still do that to this day. I still, when I go, when I go into a room to speak, I try to get there if I can the night before or at least early. And, and I, I will walk around the room and I'll, I'll kind of move over to different places in the chair and think, okay, if I'm, if I'm an audience member about to watch me speak, what am I going to see from these different places? Hmm. Right. Yeah. And then, and then that allows me, I think, to, to better engage the, enti- the entire room because I know that I have to reach I have to reach person in that corner, in that corner, in that corner, and, and up front. So it's just a constant reminder that it's about it's about it's about them. You know, the, the when you when you're going to, to to perform, and I do view my sessions as performances, it's about cr- the creation of experience for them. It's not about you. Yeah. Right? It's about it's about them and how and how do you go about creating the best experience that you can for everybody in that room? Yeah, no, and it, that is absolutely a performance. I can speak from my own personal experience with that because no matter what's going on in your day, you could have had the worst argument with somebody 15 minutes before you're about to go on stage and present to people, and you have to be a professional and learn how to set all of that aside, and mm-hmm. yeah, put on a show because I may not really have the energy because of something that might have happened that day or whatever's on my mind. But I have to learn to bring the energy, and that's where the acting really comes in. I may not really feel it, but I, I have to conjure it up and then present it. Because if I come on stage and I'm like, hey, you know, if I'm, you know, my energy is going to impact the audience's energy, right? And so that's one thing I learned early on was I have to go on there and be high energy. And that's what I did when I started doing videos. It was just high energy, quick books, potentially could be a very boring and dry topic for people. I had to find a way to make yeah, it exciting. Credits. What? Debits equal credits. Yeah. <laughs> every system, every system, debits equal credits. <laughs> right. So. Yeah. It's interesting so. because, you, you know, it's a lot like visualization is another sort of way that people look at it. And I think that people do that in a, in, in a lot of different professions. I mean, even professional oh, yeah. athletes visualize the game before they play the game, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think it's such a great tool, um, you know, in just in just knowing the room, knowing the the people where they're sitting. I, I love that. I love that you, you, you mentioned that today. Yeah, it's, it's good stuff. And, and it, I think it helps me. I think it, it certainly get, gets me energized. And like Seth said, and that's hundred percent right. You could just have had like the worst argument with somebody. You gotta, you gotta be on, you gotta be on for them. You gotta say, Hey, wait a minute. You know, I, I'm, I gotta be here for, for this 
I can be fully present for this group right now. Right. Yep. And nothing else matters. You have to learn to block it out. That's what being a professional really is. It's learning how to block all the, whatever's going on personally, block it out. Cause I, I got to be here in the moment for these people because that's what they're, that's what they're paid for. Right. Yep. So, Pros anyway. play hurt. Bro's yep. playing hurt. Yeah. So we got to take a short break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about what happened. And I want to hear about some of your darker times, some of your struggles and how you got through them. When we come back from right. a short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Intuit QuickBooks is dedicated to powering prosperity around the globe for accountants, small businesses, consumers, and the self-employed. With products and services like QuickBooks Online Accountant and the QuickBooks Pro Advisor Program, accounting professionals can save time, grow their practice, and act as strategic advisors to their small business clients. By working together as partners, Intuit can help you leverage the latest technologies and work with you to create tomorrow's future innovations. Go to QuickBooks books.intuit.com to find out more. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Nerd Enterprises Incorporated is a numbers agency. We offer a wide range of services from bookkeeping to financial modeling and cash flow projections. Our consulting services enable you to do what you do best by giving us the accounting and back office tasks that we do best. Nerd Enterprises Inc. is one of the worldwide leaders in QuickBooks, Microsoft Excel, and other productivity-based training. If it's one-to-one or one-to-many, we log in with you so you can share your screen and we get you through it. Plus, all sessions are recorded, so you can review those recordings anytime you like afterwards. For more information, visit nerdenterprises.com. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. To find out more, email Seth at NerdEnterprises.com. That's Seth at NerdEnterprises.com. Now, back to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. Welcome back to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. I'm still here. My name is still Seth David. Erica's still here. I'm still here. Excellent. Good to know. And Ed has not, we haven't scared Ed away yet either. He's still here. Yes, I am. We're all here. Here, here. Here, here. Here. 
<laughs> so so uh, it was fascinating, Ed. Um, I think talking about what we talked about, it sounds like early on, you know, you had the interest in theater and kind of the announcer thing makes sense, right? Considering what you guys do today. Today, your show is the soul of enterprise also here on Voice America. Same home for the Authentic Accountant podcast. Um, yeah. And so, you know, along the way, and you mentioned, you know, that you majored in minors and, you know, so we get that, you know, and so obviously over time, your career evolved, I imagine. And along the way, you know, what I, what I find, and one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast is because I experienced it myself and I know somebody out there is listening right now, experiencing it themselves. You know, you've got a business or you've got a career going and along the way, you just, you hit those struggles, you know, and you reach those points in your life where you're just like, I think I'm about ready to give up. I don't know. It just doesn't seem to be working. It seems like the deck is stacked against me. Um, tell us about some of some of those times like that that you may have experienced on your journey and how you ultimately got through them. You know, and then in the next segment, we'll talk about what it's like today. Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. Thanks for asking about that. I. I uh, I'm I'm definitely a glass half full kind of guy. Um, I get that. Uh, <laughs> actually. Um. Um. But. But more, I would say, instead of like, there's an optimist, pessimist, and eh, I, I'm a, I like to call it a, a possibilitarian. <laughs> I love that. I like that. <laughs> right? I, 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 like to, I like to think, well, yeah, this is happening, but what's possible? Mm-hmm. Right? What's, what's possible? There's, there's, some, there's some bad things that could happen here, but there's some good things that are part of the, this, this possible thing, too. So what's possible? What are the possible things? Where, where can I sit on this? So, um, yeah, we all have downtimes. And, you know, my, my, mine was, was, was probably a, a confluence of a lot of, lot of things. I, I, did, I did end up um, getting a, a, a divorce and sold my business within a one-year period. Wow. Yeah. And you know, do you ever see like there's those quizzes where it's like, if this happens to you in your life, you get X number of points. Right. <laughs> and then there's, and, there, and it says, okay, if you have over a certain number of points, you have high levels of stress in your life. I think like the stress level was more than a hundred points. And I had like 372. Like, <laughs> like, oh, so I should pretty much just be having a heart attack right now. Right. <laughs> it just, it just happen. But um, just concentrating more on the, on the, on the business so- side of things. It was a you know situation where I had uh, started a, a, a partnership with a, a couple of people. We were we were doing pretty well. We we were, we were reselling partners of what the company at the time was called Great Plains. I'm sure you might and remember Microsoft's that. product. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's called a Microsoft Dynamics GP. Unless they've changed it more recently. <laughs> Again, yeah. So no, but um, it, it was a and and I was actually a part of Great Plains before they even had a Windows based product. When it was just their their DOS based you know thing, and and um, it was it was a partner in an organization that did that, and we did really well. I mean, we 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 sold a lot of uh, in the greater New York State area. Well, we used to say that our our kind of territory when you actually had territories back then was about a seventy five mile radius around New York City, and. We had developed a, um, a niche, um, niche for those of you in Canada. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they always get thrown by that, so I have to clarify. So we had a niche market in, in what, I, what I'll call um, not-for-profits not with money. Not-for-profits not for, with money. Okay. Not-for-profits, but yeah. So Because there's a lot of not-for-profits that don't have any money. I don't know if you're aware of this. There's a lot of not-for-profit organizations. I'm, I'm very aware. That's always, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's been they're a big roadblock in my accounting consulting business that they come in, they want my help, and they're like, but we can't really pay you. And it's like, we can't pay you. 
Hmm. Let me okay, let me well. let me call my gas company and just let them know. Hey, I'm going to be working with some nonprofits that can't pay me. Is it okay if I don't pay my gas and electric bill? And you know, we'll see if that goes yeah. all the way around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, you know, it doesn't. It just it just so those, if any of you are unaware, it doesn't doesn't work out. That's made um, the calls. <laughs> yeah, I've tried that. So so we had we had we had these not for profits with money, and I'll, I'll you know I can I can name some of them. I would but, but uh, Girl Scouts of the USA was one mm-hmm. of my customers i didn't know they were uh, a non-profit yeah, yeah. Well, okay he, see, because he okay because he's those cookies i buy are pretty damn expensive there's right, definitely so a profit in those i will let me get back to that in just a second okay. but but here's some other examples jewish guild for the blind own their own building on fifth avenue in central park west mm-hmm. uh, Un- uh united way of bergen county amfar the american foundation for aids research this is an organization that was started by elizabeth taylor in the mid-1980s as a response to the aids crisis right still around today right all right so these were organizations that they were not for profits but they had a boatload of money like Mm -hmm. had lots and lots of cash they had a surplus they had a big surplus actually reserves right okay (laughs) (laughs) And th- th- those of you who are they're not seeing this, I'm doing this, the scare quotes. Reserves. Yeah, reserves. reserves. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise known as cash in the bank. Right. <laughs> so, so anyway, and these are great organizations. Don't get me wrong. I mean, they, yeah, do, yeah. they, do, some, they do some wonderful work. But so we had developed this. And, and so here is the question that I often ask is like, well, how, where did Girl Scouts make all of its money? Mm-hmm. And what's the answer? And you just gave it earlier. Yeah, it's well, that's that. completely that's wrong. No, no, it's completely yeah. that's completely oh, wow. wrong. Yep. No, the girls the Girl Scouts make make almost next to nothing on the cookies. They at break even at best. In fact, what? the 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 cookies the cookies benefit for the most part the local troops. That's the fundraiser for the local troops. Okay, so, so the, is it that they keep the profits on those? Is that why Girl Scouts Oh no. Oh no, you're going to love this. Oh, this no. is this because is they absolutely. are really freaking expensive. I mean, a little box is like $12 or something. Yeah, well, they well the local troops do keep the profits. Yes, was that the question you asked? So the local troops, yeah. yes, those, they keep the profits, and that's how they like that. Your you know brownie troop four seventy five yeah. does raises their money. Okay, so where does the money come from? From Girl Scouts for the USA. Okay, ready? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uniforms. Ah. Oh, all those patches. Yeah, you know those like the brownie sash. That's oh. like twenty. That's like you to buy a brownie sash is twenty yeah. bucks. Right. Yeah. A, that is a brown piece of cloth sewn on all four sides. That's all it is. Yeah. Twenty dollars. You know what the <laughs> that cost you twenty cents that to make. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you make it in the United States. <laughs> That's great. Right? That's crazy. So so they make their money, and this is again great organization. I don't begrudge them because they do a lot of great work with the money that they earn. Right. But. But 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 be, they are basically a fashion company yeah. that knows that knows how many things they're going to sell because they have these troops and like okay yeah we got registrations last year and we know that seventy percent of people who graduate from Girl Scouts become Junior Girl Scouts or Brownies become Junior Girl Scouts so therefore we can count on seventy percent of them carrying over and guess what they're all going to need new uniforms new, next year yeah because it's a vest. <laughs> Next, yeah, it's the best. It's, it's not a sash. It's, it's not the, the sash anymore. And, and the best is probably, fashion. what, 40 bucks? Yeah, <laughs> Rob, of course, right? Well, and, then, and at know, that age, they're growing very fast. There's, they're going to outgrow their uniforms every year, no question. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's really a work of beauty, actually. We need to really start to think, and think about it. It's That's a beautiful hilarious. thing. 
Yeah, but they again, they do do a lot of great stuff. And I will tell you this, that one of the great things that I learned at Girl Scouts, I, I learned how to manage meetings when I did the, hmm. the, the implementation of, you know, what was then Great Plains Dynamics at the Girl Scouts of the USA. Did you um, get a they, badge for that? Let me, uh, yeah, no, there, I could have, right? I could have, but, uh, <laughs> but, but they were great at meeting management. In fact, they, when, when, we, when I sat down to, to, to hold a kickoff meeting, actually it was the day before, they, they had given me this little booklet. It was about a 17-page a booklet on how to conduct a meeting at the Girl Scouts. That's uh, that's wow. really interesting, right? actually. Yeah, and I'm flipping through this, and I'm like, "Well, this is you know," and they're like, "You must have an agenda, and here's all of the stuff." And they go through this whole thing. Well, it turns out I was doing research for for for, for a class that I taught at Sage called the Sage Consulting Academy for a long time, and I was doing this research, and I come across um, the the chapter from the P- Peter Drucker's The Effective Executive on Meeting Management, right? And I'm like reading this, going, "Holy crap! This is what." Girls, yeah. Well, because guess guess who was one of Peter Drucker's customers? Girl Scouts. Remember. Girl Scouts. And his engagement with them was developing effective meeting management. That's what he did. Uh, mm. So they learned it from him. <laughs> Brilliant. So isn't that like, so yeah, I like to say I sat at the foot of someone who sat at the foot of someone who sat at the foot of Peter Drucker. So <laughs> when we, we, we talk about meeting management. But, but they, you know, so they, they anyway. Uh, this is not you. You wanted to hear about this. This is my bad times. Okay, <laughs> right. Let's <laughs> see. Possibilitarian. Possibilitarian. Yep. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so, so, uh, but I ended up having to sell that interest in that business because my the my, the, my, the it was finally down to two partners, and we just were not on the same page. I mean, we mm-hmm. we had achieved what it was that we wanted to do together, and, and we had put a five year plan together, and it was it was about five years, and we had gotten there. We had gotten to the the size we wanted. We had gotten to the number of, of uh, it was not as many customers as we wanted, but it, that was fine because we, it was the, the revenue target was there. And, but we just were not in agreement on where we were going next. And it was, mm-hmm. and that next year while we were not on the same page was a miserable experience for probably both of us. Mm. You know, at, at the time I thought it was just miserable for me, but it was, but it was probably miserable for both of us. And, and I, you know, at some point I just said, look, I, I don't, I don't need to do this. I, it, and I think she was a little bit more wrapped up in the business defining who she was. Mm-hmm. Um, and then not that that's a bad thing. She was just more connected to it. And I had another, some other opportunities and that that's when, um, that's when I, I left that business. I did consult, so consulting work for Microsoft after they had taken over Great Plains, did some consulting work for Sage and then I was finally then hired by Sage, a fellow by the name of um, Taylor McDonald hired me. Um, those of you might know Taylor because now, because Taylor was then subsequently fired from Sage and is now over at Intact. And of course, last year we bought them for $850 billion. So now he's back at Sage. So, <laughs> Wow, that's funny. That's really but, funny, actually. <laughs> That's the way yeah, to this, do it, though, this, especially if he was able to reap any of the benefits of that purchase. <laughs> uh, I think he's doing okay. Yeah. I think I think my I think my buddy's Taylor Taylor's doing okay. So leave so. your company to work for another company to get hired by the company you left. I like that strategy, actually. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, that's a, that's long term thinking. That's but so let's <laughs> hone in on the one real question here, because you described that where it got to be a struggle or tough was when you were yeah. parting company or during that year or whatever it was after the five years. 
how did you deal with that? I mean, while you were in it, what did you do to get through day to day? You know, how did you handle communications with your partner? Clearly there were disagreements and things. What was, how did you manage it? Yeah. You know, I think, I think we tried. And by the way, this whole time, I'm also, I'm also my marriage, my first marriage is going through a divorce. Right. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, just a, just not, not a very pleasant time all around. So, you know, how how did I handle it? I, I I think I, I handled it for the most part by, I was I was trying to just stay afloat on both sides, right? So it was very much of a back and back and forth type thing, um, and and then I finally just had to deal with it sequentially. I think the the the, the I, I filed for divorce, and then about then six months later, I think we finally sold sold the I sold the interest in the business. Maybe it was longer than that, but um, and it was it, it was it was rough. I, I I guess I dealt with I just hey look, there's there's got to be a there's got to be a, a of a possibility possible future that's better than today because I know this sucks. Like this is really terrible. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, No. And sometimes I know when I've experienced similar things, I've just, you know, I've, I've looked at, and I've learned to come back to this place when I need to sometimes is say, all right, if I'm kind of heading back to ground zero, if everything feels like it's falling apart, then nothing is the place of infinite possibility. Right. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like as a possibilitarian, that's what I'm kind of getting out of it is that's how you dealt with it. You dealt with it very much one day at a time. You had two major things going on in your life that were a struggle, right? Mm-hmm. And you said, you said you dealt with it sequentially, which the way I, I, I sort of, you know, uh, define that, or I guess, or what I derive from that is, is that it's really, it was probably very much a one day, maybe sometimes a one minute at a time thing. Like just deal with what's right in front of you. You'll figure it out and then you'll move on and you'll be glad when this is all behind you kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think I came to, came to the determination on both, both fronts of that, that, that unless I extricated myself from the situation, ultimately I would have that, I would have had that heart attack. Right. right. That, 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 that it would, it would have been there. And I was like, I don't want to do that. Like I got, no, there's other stuff I got to do. Yep. You know? Yep. And yeah, every, I've known you for a few years at, and I always know you to be a real positive guy. So it doesn't surprise me at all that for somebody like you, it was probably ultimately easier than it might've been for most others to weather that kind of storm. Yeah. But it still sucked. Let's just be clear. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> One thing I find interesting, because a lot of when people talk about their struggles, it's about, you know, failing to get somewhere or, you know, and and I think it's interesting that your sort of struggle that you bring up is is sort of a result of success. Like you got where you wanted to go and then the struggle hit. So I think that that's kind of, I mean, that's interesting. And I just wanted to point that out because I think struggle can really come at any point. And even after we reach that level of success, we, we met our goals. Mm-hmm. Right. You don't find that struggle in there. And that's actually a different kind of struggle, almost like recognizing when it's time to quit, right? Yeah. Yeah. There was no, it, there's a, I think from Proverbs, somewhere in scripture, there is where, where there is no vision, the people perish, <laughs> right? And, and, I, and I think that that's, that's this notion is that we had achieved that vision that we set out. And in a way, and I'm just, I'm just putting this together now completely on the fly, but in, in a sense, that's where my marriage was too. We had three kids. So the, the vision, you right. know, the, whatever, the, the vision, that's what it was. We were going to have a couple kids and, and yep. we had it. So there we were. And so what's next? And it's the what's next that I couldn't get on the same page with either, either one of these two people. And, and that Incredible. ultimately was the, the tragedy, right, yeah. um, uh, of it, but ultimately led to better things. So for all of us. Well, we have to take, take a quick break here, um, but when we come back after the break, we're going to get into how you refound, how you rediscovered that vision, 
and what that looked like for you and, and what, you, what you have going on today. Uh, so we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. If you are interested in the business of rental equipment, be sure to check out Rental Equip Talk Radio with host Donald Charbonnet. We talk to some of the top names in the rental industry, as well as cover topics that include safety, training, fleet management, legal issues, and more. We'll also cover the history and future of the rental equipment industry. Rental Equip Talk Radio can be heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Nerd Enterprises Incorporated is a numbers agency. We offer a wide range of services, from bookkeeping to financial modeling and cash flow projections. Our consulting services enable you to do what you do best by giving us the accounting and back office tasks that we do best. Nerd Enterprises, Inc. is one of the worldwide leaders in QuickBooks, Microsoft Excel, and other productivity-based training. If it's one-to-one or one-to-many, we log in with you so you can share your screen and we get you through it. Plus, all sessions are recorded, so you can review those recordings anytime you like afterwards. For more information, visit nerdenterprises.com. Intuit QuickBooks is dedicated to powering prosperity around the globe for accountants, small businesses, consumers, and the self-employed. With products and services like QuickBooks Online Accountant and the QuickBooks Pro Advisor Program, accounting professionals can save time, grow their practice, and act as strategic advisors to their small business clients. By working together as partners, Intuit can help you leverage the latest technologies and work with you to create tomorrow's future innovations. Go to Quick books.intuit.com to find out more. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. You are listening to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. To find out more, email Seth at nerdenterprises.com. That's Seth at nerdenterprises.com. Now, back to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Seth David. Where? Oh, You're hi. still there. You're still there. It's okay. Uh, and we're still here with Ed Kless, uh, self-proclaimed possibilitarian. <laughs> I absolutely love that word. Stealing yep. it. We're going to totally use it. it. We're totally going to. Well, it's going to be in the show notes for sure. Yeah. It's probably going to be the title of the show, really. I think yeah. it should be. Actually, you know what? That's, <laughs> I think you're onto something there, Erica. All right. So, Good. Anyway, so we talked a little bit about the struggles and, um, and how sort of the struggles came from lack of vision. Mm-hmm. And um, why don't we pick up from there and just tell us sort of how did you rediscover the vision for your life and what that was going to look like and where you were heading next? Yeah, so really good question. And I think that, that it was in those, those low moments where, you know, okay, so the, the business, the, the, the divorce is through, the business is sold. And I had re- rediscovered the possibility of, of uh, and my love for, for consulting work. Uh, and at the same time, rediscovered my love for another woman. So, you know, that's a, a, right. a wonderful, beautiful thing, right? Um, so it was it was really in, in putting a new vision together on both of those fronts. 
that uh, that w- I was able to do that. I mean, just from the from the business side of things, it was learning that I could do consulting work as a consultant for very large companies like Microsoft and Sage, and I could be just as successful as I was when I was doing small business consulting, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And that it was a it was a different type of work. It was longer engagements. It was a lot more writing. It was a lot more um, it, it involved and in, in creative and thinking. Um, but I, but I love that equally well. And then um, of course I mentioned Taylor in the in the previous segment. You know he he's the one who after I did a consulting gig for Sage convinced me to come on board to do this full time. And what I what I re envisioned there was the ability to work with partner organizations. And when I say partner, I should define that. I have the, so a partner to me at Sage is an accountant, a bookkeeper, a reselling organization, an ISV, right? So any, anyone who has any kind of a connection to what, what it is that we do and is an influence on our end customers, right? Right. And what, what I, what I love to do is I love to help those people make their businesses better uh, you know, so, certainly from, from my mistakes, but then, um, the, then the connection to, to Ron, which happened about six months into my tenure at Sage, Sage where I, I finally, uh, I rediscovered his work. I had implemented a lot of, many of the things that, that, uh, he talked about in his first book, uh, the, uh, um, the professional's guide to value pricing mm-hmm. uh, in some of the engagements that I did back in my, my organization, but had not fully embraced it, hadn't gotten rid of timesheets or anything like that, but um, had then the opportunity to create this. And what I, what I finally saw after working with Ron for a number of years is, man, this entire industry is really broken because we have the complete wrong business model. Mm-hmm. Right, mm. we have we have we have this the, the the this belief, and it's it's and and I distinctly remember reading this for the second time when I'm reading the the opening forward of Ron's book where it says we've known for years that value does not equal rate times hours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've known that for years, right? Yet yet we behave as if that's not true and continue to ignore that fact <laughs> every day. Yeah. Yep. So it's literally sticking your fingers in your ears and going, la, 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 la. <laughs> I know. <laughs> right. I know that this is completely bass backwards and makes no sense whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But that's what, la, 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 la. I'm just going to keep right. I'm just going to keep doing it because this is what I know and this is what I've always done and I don't want to change it because it's too overwhelming to think about it's- changing it. It's That's scary. Right. Change is scary. Yep. 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 And of course, now I've had the great opportunity to work with him for a number of years, and we have flipped dozens, hundreds of firms, uh, thousands of professionals. It seems um, like you spent a lot of your time, and maybe still do, in the legal profession, and then somehow it spilled into the accounting world. Um, it was a little bit of both. I mean, we, we've, we've done, done work in both areas. Uh, and, and when I say we, uh, th- there's, there's been t- some times where I've had a chance to, to the opportunity to work with Ron on some engagements that were for lawyers. So it was great because I, you know, I can st- stay at Sage and still do that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, hadn't, it's been a while since we've, we've done anything like that, but, but it was, but yeah, so it, it's, it, it's, it's, it's fun to, to be able to help them recognize that their value is not in their time and effort. I, I, one of the things that still does profoundly sadden me is when professionals think that they are their effort, 
that the, 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 the value that they provide is in their effort, meaning their num- the hours, because that is, that is a measurement of the effort. Right. 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 And, and when, they, when, when they think that their value is their effort, well, then they have to do things like say, well, you know, I, I, I could be hanging out with my kids, but I've really got to get this done. I've really got, or I've really got to get this customer work done. Uh, and there's a, I don't know if you can want to put this in the show notes. I would strongly encourage it, although it makes mm-hmm. people, are you guys aware of the, the, the Jamie Johnson song, The Dollar? You sent me the video of that. And yeah, it's, it, it's, you can't watch this video for the first time without hysterically crying because it's about yes. this kid whose father you know, has to work all the time. And then his kid finds out that his dad has to go away and work because he needs to make money to pay the bills. And his kid comes up with like a quarter and asks, how much time will this get me with you? It's the right. saddest thing ever. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, and it, so it's like, you're like, you're like, well, you are literally weeping. And I, and I have played that video at, at conferences where people have had to leave the room. Yeah. Like they, they had to leave the room. They were, they were so profoundly shaken by it. I was in yeah. tears the first time you sent me that video and I watched it. I was just like, oh man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cause you know, it, it, you, it, you know, is, and, and I, so that still profoundly saddens me and it's still so pervasive. It's still so yeah. pervasive, and and is and that's that's what our mission really continues to be. It's it, you know it, it's not it, it's it's not in within reach, but it's within sight. I mean, we really yeah. we, we really yeah. think that this is the, the barriers are starting to completely break down with 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 uh, the, the need to mo- go to, to more consulting based services rather than just pr- providing the, the the standard and you know um, uh, compulsory um, what was the the word I'm looking for the uh, compliance the compliance right. type work. Right. That, 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 that's, a, that's all automated, folks. Time to move on. Yeah. Right? Well, I, I mean, I, I have to say, oh, sorry, Erica, go oh, ahead. I go just ahead. wanted to add something um, quickly on sort of the other side of that as an, as an employee at a lot of yes. different places. I'm a really efficient person. I mean, I, I pride myself on being like incredibly efficient. I can get 40 hours of work, a week of, of work done in maybe 20, just as an example. And so I always felt very undervalued because my mm-hmm. employers were always valuing my time and my hours. But I'm like, well, it doesn't take me as long as that guy to do the right. same amount of work or that or that woman, whatever. You know what I mean? So so yeah. I feel right. like I was living value pricing before I had ever even heard of the concept. And 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 knowing what it is now, it's like, oh my God, thank you. Like there is something to be said about I've always valued my time way more than than employers. You know, and so for me to get, you know, paid based on an hourly rate or based on how much time I'm spending doing something never really made sense to me. No, no. But, you know, and, and you, you also bring up a good point, which is the inverse, which is if you suck at what you do, continue to bill by the hour. Right. Right. Uh, exactly. <laughs> right. No, exactly. <laughs> well, you know and that brings up another interesting thing, right? Because if we're billing by the hour, what are we doing with all of this AI and computer technology that's coming along? Mm-hmm. You well, are so screwed. It's scary mm-hmm. because I have actually, I've not had one of these conversations myself, but I have talked with people who have had conversations with accountants, CPAs, who are supposed to be known for having a lot of integrity, who have admitted that they are afraid to go to value pricing because of the fact that they will make less money because they're not charging by the hour and they're doing things more efficiently. 
that, that they have been that specific about the fact that that's why they're afraid. In other words, they understand it. They understand the reason for it and the need for it. And that's exactly why they don't want to do it. Because, And to me, that's such small-minded thinking because the real answer yeah. should be, you know what? No, I. in fact, let me back up because I wanted to share something with you, Ed. I don't know if you know this. You probably have some idea of it. But what I learned from you and Ron has largely shaped the very segment of the business that Erica works with me on. Erica helps me run the consulting part of Nerd Enterprises. Mm -hmm. Years ago, when I started learning about value pricing, and I went to you guys because you guys, to me, were the source, and I joined your Facebook group, Vera Sage Institute, Mm -hmm. and I remember going in there the first time pretty much, and I was looking at the conversations, and a lot of it was just you know people kind of sharing articles and saying, look at what this one is saying, and you know, uh, and so I was sort of getting it, but I went in and asked the question because I was starting to get part of it, which was that, okay, so I need to charge a flat rate. I can't charge by the hour anymore. Right. And my first fear, of course, is if I'm charging a flat rate, but then I got to pay somebody by the hour, I'm going to lose my shirt if they take a lot of hours to do the work. How do I fix that, right? Mm-hmm. And I went in and asked that question. And it was funny because a couple of the people responded in a, in a sort of tone that was kind of like, how dare you ask this question that I've answered so many times before? But I was like, but I've never asked it. I don't know the answer, right? So yeah. I got a little shy about it. But then I think it was you or Ron or there's another guy who's very vocal in there in the group. But one of them gave me the answer, which is exactly how we do it now, which was you don't pay by the hour. In other Mm -hmm. words, you value price it on both ends. Mm -hmm. So that's what I came up with. And it was a concept that was developing in my mind. And I did a lot of research in your group, asking questions and reading and ultimately put it together. Like, okay, so I'm going to charge a flat fee and I'm going to pay a flat fee based on a percentage of the revenue, which is Mm -hmm. exactly what Erica and I have arranged right now. And then somebody said, well, what about EDD and those kind of requirements? I said, fine, we'll do a base as a minimum. And that can work as a draw against the revenue share that you're getting that way Mm -hmm. i know you're at least getting paid minimum wage so if the edd comes down and you know wants to give me a hard time i'm covered there right Mm -hmm. but we're way past that now because erica's at the level frankly where she's not exempt at this point right because yeah whatever that threshold is so it doesn't matter right yeah but you guys largely shaped the way we do business because i went in there and did the homework and research and said okay how do i do this and now i feel like the way we're doing it is very revolutionary very few if anybody i don't know of anybody else in the accounting industry personally who's doing it this way who's paying on the basis of a percentage of revenue but that's what i learned from you guys yeah i mean there's there there are different people who are doing doing variations on that and that and that's great but you know it just to Two quick points I want to make. Going back mm-hmm. to your your first one, which is about worried about the hours, right, and all of this. I I I I do this exercise. I call it the nuclear option, <laughs> right? Because it, and that is, is in a room of professionals. Like let's just call it accountants for right now. I ask this question: How many of you have ever filled out a timesheet? And every hand goes up. Right. And I say, well, how many of you have ever not exactly put really <laughs> what actually happened right. down on the timesheet? Right. <laughs> and I'll cover I'll cover my eyes and you know. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And then it's like, all right, the ethics class is down the hall, right? Because <laughs> either way, you're screwing somebody. You're either putting down too much time and therefore increasing the price to the customer, or you're putting down too little time, right? Which is the profits of your employer. Yeah. And it, right. And it, so, 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 but here's the thing. Everybody does it because nobody puts down on a timesheet what actually happened. We put down on the timesheet what we think should have happened. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's not it's please stop saying it's actual cost. It's not. It's optimal. 
it's optimal cost, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> that, that's, yeah, so, which is great. I think but you gave the, the freeze once perfectly imperfect. That it's time yeah. tracking is perfectly imperfect. Yeah, it's where it, it, you and Ron, the Ron, phrase Ron uses when he, but he's like, I'd rather be approximately correct than precisely wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's great, right? And and that's what he used. But but he, let's get 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 to this. We started with the show, and maybe this can begin to you know tie things back up into the bow as we near our the end of our time together. Mm-hmm. And that is okay. Well, so if 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 the value isn't the labor, if the value isn't the 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 hours that we put into stuff, which of course is the labor theory of value, which is Marxism. By the way, if you bill by the hour, you're a practicing Marxist. Adam Smith. So you know, yeah, well, yeah. Well, Adam Smith was wrong. So what is the value? What how 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 do we derive value? And the the answer is is that the customer determines value. Like beauty, value is completely subjective. You as an individual, we we all make the, a value decision as to what we think something is worth. And it's your job as the professional to have the conversation with the customer so that they understand to in their mind what the value is. And then you set a price that's commiserate with that value. And then, and this is the phrase that I probably didn't even have probably the last time I even talked to you, Seth, but, mm-hmm. and then I, cause I love this, the price that you get, and this is what you're doing inside your firm, the price that you get justifies the future expenditure of cost. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so it's complete. It's completely reversed. The way that 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 firms do it now is we figure out what our costs are. Here's the number of hours, and we, we mark it up. Put some kind right. of a we mark it up. We put some kind of a multiplier on it. That's a price, and then we pray to God that the customer sees the value in the end. Right. Mm. Right. Yeah. This and is sh- exactly flips it. Yeah. Right. So I want to throw something out there, especially because we're running out of time, and I'm curious to get your take yeah. on this because what you just touched on, especially insofar as trying to determine the subjective value in the eyes of the customer, this is where I think my approach towards this departs slightly from yours, which is that the way I've developed our business model in terms of coming up with the price, and maybe this is because by the time I got to this point, I had already developed a lot of demand because of the content that I produced in the video. So I have a lot of inbound marketing, people calling me and expecting it to be expensive and saying, you know, I want your help. I just need to make sure I can afford it. That's kind of the gist of the conversations I have. And so eventually it got to the point where I said, rather than try and come up with what the value is in the eyes of the customer, I started looking at it as what's the value to me? What's going to get me excited to go do the work? What amount of money is going to be sufficient for me to say, I can't wait to get up and go do that job. And at that level, at that rate of pay, I know I'm going to be excited to do it because I don't know how to figure out what the customer's perception is of that value. But if I throw the value out to the customer based on what it's worth to me to do the work, maybe the customer will see it the same way and say, hey, you know what? Um, We agree or we don't agree. And then we figure it out how to come and meet in the middle somewhere. Right. Of course, my response would be, well, that's that's better. That's better. Mm -hmm. But and this is this is this is the thing that keeps a professional pricer up every night. Mm-hmm. but you're leaving money on the table. Yeah, and I, I get that, but that, I, and we don't have enough time to get into that, so maybe we'll need to yep. do another podcast on this. All right, we got to yeah, Sounds good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you, Ed, so much for joining us today. This was fantastic. And uh, where can people find you? Well, on uh, right here on, on Voice America, the Soul of Enterprise is our website. Uh, you can go to that. We also do now have a Patreon site if you're available and want to listen to some of our, our uh, bonus episodes and or uh, not, not listen to the commercial breaks, although we love the commercial breaks on Voice America. But if you want to hear the show without that, you can go to our Patreon site. But the best place is thesoulofenterprise.com. All right. Thank awesome. you so much, Ed. And I'll get everything up in the show notes, of course.
listening to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. To find out more, email Seth at NerdEnterprises.com. That's Seth at NerdEnterprises.com. Now, back to the Authentic Accountant Podcast. 